This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. Today, I'm joined by Drew Richmond, the new executive director of Horseshoe Bay Farms, the historic egg harbor farm that might just be one of the most photographed and wondered about properties on the peninsula. Drew has been tapped to lead the newly formed nonprofit that is giving the farm new life and preserving its and preserving its historic core. Drew, welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Well, let's get into it. Um, you have just kind of joined the organization in the last few weeks, a couple of months, I think. And, you know, this is a property that a lot of people care a lot about. And there are some big plans for this property. But before we get into those, uh, I'd like to kind of set the stage for people. Horseshoe Bay Farms is over just outside of Egg Harbor by, you know, a couple of miles from the downtown core. And it has existed for over a century at this point. What can you tell me about the history of Horseshoe Bay Farms and kind of why it matters to people? Yeah, it's, it's uh, well, like you said, it's been around for over 100 years. So lots of people and generations of people uh, not only have seen it, uh, you know, driven by it, but have visited it. And, and as we as we progress, as the months go by, and, and even now in the last couple of years, every day we get Hey, my, my father worked at this place or my, mm-hmm. my grandfather was a part of cherry camp or my my grandfather was a was a herdsman. All it, it keeps coming out in all these different stories. So it's it's actually evolving. Uh literally every day. We got a email yesterday from somebody that said, Hey, my you know, my grandfather was a part of this place. So uh it, it's fun to be a part of it, but you know, it's it's a magical place. And and even in its in its conception. Uh, it was built to be a show farm. It was built to be a place that people would see it and knew that it was a little bit different and, and, and watch it evolve in awe. Yeah, I know for a time it was one of the largest employers, if not the largest employer in Door County back in the, around the 1920 era and one of the largest farms in the state and one of the most innovative dairy farms and dairy operations in the state before it became known more as an orchard. Um, there's you know, it, it, with employing that many people and then also being designed in the way it was like those barns, there's a lot of beautiful barns in Door County, but those barns have a certain look and feel to them that just looks a little more majestic. And in the the setting that they're found in, they just lend themselves to, to, uh, photo lovers and, um, especially come fall because they, you have that backdrop of the, the foliage on the bluff and the, and the barns are set right below it. It's just like a, just such a beautiful vista that I think like people just have to pull over and wonder what's what happened there. And it hasn't been really operating, if I have this right, as like a full-fledged farm for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a while. It, it's evolved like most things do. It's, it's evolved uh, over the last century or so. Um, but it's been owned by a few different folks in the last probably 20 years or so. And, uh, and then in 2018... Uh, became a, a 501c3 not-for-profit uh, by, by a group of really, really passionate folks that wanted wanted to save this place. And and like you said, you know, these barns are so unique. Um, it really catches the eye. And it's not just one. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's seven, or, seven or eight of these beautiful barns that are still standing today, over 100 years old. They were built in 1916, 1917. 
Um, and it really, it really does catch your eye. And, and it, it's, it's more than just a, a tribute to the folks, the most recent folks. It's over the years, how these, how these barns have been preserved and saved. Um, the credit goes out to a lot of folks, but, uh, but we're excited about it. And, and we're obviously very excited. The fact that it's all still here, we can do something with it. Yeah. I had, uh, talked to the previous owner, Glenn Timmerman, multiple times over the years when I, I think it was about a decade that he owned those barns and, and at one point owned the golf club as well. And he had visions of trying to do something, but he wasn't ever able to get that like really off the ground and, and happening. He had done some things to preserve those properties, um, but really couldn't figure out the way to to make it into a nonprofit, to make it sustainable and continue to improve them. Um, but it now looks like there's a pretty decent plan. And I remember like the, the interest in those properties, I think in around 2011, Egg Harbor held its 150th anniversary celebration, the town of Egg Harbor, and they did it at Horseshoe Bay Farm. So that, that speaks a little bit to the value of that property. And I believe something close to 700 people came out um, for the opportunity to tour those buildings, learn the history of that farm. A lot of those people had family connections to that property. Like you mentioned Cherry Camp, which... Um, for those listeners who aren't sure what that what that means, that's uh, what everyone called it when you would have like a lot of teenage boys, college boys would come up and work in the orchards and they would go to, well, they just call it cherry camp. You'd come up and work for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks at the orchards picking cherries or picking apples. Or I'm sorry, it would be picking cherries because it'd be summertime. Um, but that, that was a really formative experience and a, a lot of people up here and who have moved on from here, that was their, their first ever job. Um, was living in, and working at Horseshoe Bay Farms picking cherries. Um, so a lot of deep connections, deep roots there. Um, so that's a little bit more about the the background of the farms. And then, uh, Drew, how did you end up becoming a part of this organization? Uh, well, it's, it's a relatively short story, but um, my family and I moved here in, in uh, what, 2012 uh, to Door County. And uh, I was running the YMCA in Fish Creek there for four years or so, uh, transitioned my way to the Ridges Sanctuary, where I was the development and marketing director there, and started having conversations uh, with the folks at Horseshoe Bay Farms. And and it was uh, it was a, literally an opportunity I could not pass up. And to have, you know, not a whole lot of folks get an opportunity to, to work um, with a small group of people, uh, really saving uh, uh, not only a county relic, but a, a really historic statewide and Midwestern uh, piece of history from the from the beginning. I mean, this we've been a not-for-profit for uh, not even a little over two years now, three years. So to be the first staff member here as a not-for-profit to to be a part of that that process and and really see the excitement that they have for for the future of this place and to see the vision and to see the leadership and to see everything that they had, I couldn't pass it up. I couldn't pass it up. So, uh, yeah, I think officially December 1st of 2020, um, I became the, the first staff member of the executive director of Horseshoe Bay Farms, the nonprofit. And that's uh, an interesting background there, too, with the Ridges. Um, that's another organization that in your time there and run, when you came on board there, if I, if I have my timetable right, was a, an organization that, while much more mature and steeped in history, was undergoing a, a pretty strong transition into a new era at that time as well with their, their new nature center and kind of the expansion of what they were offering. Yeah. I mean, it was, and I, I had seen the, the new nature center at that time uh, being built, but I had no idea what the transition of that organization was going through. Uh, and it was tremendous and, and what a great place. And, and to come in, came on board 
about 2016, so about a year after that nature center had opened. Uh, and you said it, you know, an organization that's that's 80 plus years uh, been established, yet really got a new lease on life in 2015, 2016. So, and it's grown tremendously. And and those, you know, and, and even prior to moving here, I was a camp director um, for a YMCA camp. So I, my whole life is my whole career in life has been in nonprofit work. Mm. And I want to see things grow. I want to see, you know, what's the, where do we stand today? What's that rich heritage that we have? But also, what's that huge vision? Where do we want to be in 20, 30, 50 years, whatever that is? Uh, and that's what gets me excited about it. So, um, you know, in that sense, in its simplest form, uh, Horseshoe Bay Farms was a slam dunk. Yeah. And when you mentioned that, that's really like a, that's the question, the overarching question for all of the peninsula, I think that guides that, or is at least, if it's not guiding, it's a part of every discussion is how do, you know, melding our history with our future and holding on to that history. Like we're not a place that is, um, you know, a new suburb where suburb where you're just clearing new ground and you're just coming from whole cloth or not a place that wants to erase its history, but hold on to it and then become something more. And that's, that's the, the conundrum that we all face as community members, but then also a place like you with Horseshoe Bay Farms where you want to turn that into something new, make it sustainable and keep it around. But that, that means a little bit of changing what it is in some ways. Um, and with that, let's let's get into this master plan, which I know I got my first glimpse of. I was, I was part of a committee that was looking at some of the the options and gathering some history of that farm and what what role it could play in the community. Um, and I, I think the organizers took a pretty smart role of trying to bring a lot of people together to get a lot of input and make it a community project of figuring out what the future of this might be and then melding that with some of their own ideas. Um, it's a pretty impressive master plan that you guys have put together. A pretty audacious one, I would say. Yeah, yeah. No, agreed. And, and, and you said it, it. It's, what, a year and a half or so? At least a year, if not a year and a half in the making for a master plan. And I've been a part of a lot of strategic plans and a lot of, of visioning sessions and things like that. The extent that these folks went through uh, to really lay it out um, was really quite impressive. And the final product is is very impressive. And, and I just want to touch on a couple of things that, that you mentioned. But first and foremost, as a not-for-profit, this organization that you talked about, the history, the the three main aspects of our mission is to preserve, uh, is to rehabilitate, but then also activate. So that the preservation component of it really isn't talking about the buildings. That's talking about the history. How can we preserve everything that we can how can we capture these things, uh, these stories and this timeline and these folks that have been a part of it? Um, how can we capture all of that? And, and how quickly can we do it? Uh, every day that goes by, we fear that we might lose some aspect or some story. So we want to make sure that we capture it as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get into the, the rehabilitation component, um, that really talks about the, the structures and the, and the facility and the, the acreage, all those things that are uh, the physical components that you see. We need to go about that in a in, in the right way, and we want to, and we want to make sure that we don't just you know just start making drastic changes to these structures um, unless it's really really thought out. And, and our plan at this point is that that we're going to save these buildings. That's that's the kind of core of the goal here. Um, but we also want to do this third component, with, which is this activation. And that really, you know, you talk about the community and you talk about this master plan and the vision and the future of this place. What does that look like? And, and this master plan lays it out. And, and the, the community came together and they gave a lot, <laughs> lots <laughs> of ideas. Uh, maybe, maybe too many, but that's all right. We needed to start somewhere. Uh, no, but, you know, you need to, to see what does this place evolve? How is it going to look in 20 years? The master plan is, is that. It's, it's a plan. It's a map. It's a roadmap. You know, some things may look the way that it was drawn out to be. Other things may evolve. But 
really that activation piece. That's the that's the fun part. That's why we're all here to to see what this place can it can be in the future. And and there's a there's a like you said an extensive plan put together to to make sure that that we do it right. Yeah, and for those who have not been part of a master planning process like this, it's it's easy when you see something you're like, okay, this is exactly what we're gonna get. And and then people get frustrated when they say, well, you never built that or this never came to life. And uh, a lot of people don't understand that like there's um there's they're kind of broad strokes and there's usually like core pieces that you're like this is definitely something we're doing and all these other things are going to be like nice to have if the funding comes through or we get the right staff members or it or it evolves that way but you might also find out there's a totally different idea i was part of the uh, sister bay waterfront planning committee that formed after they bought helms four seasons resort back in 2007 just to try and figure out what what the core of sister bay might look like in that case we we created a 20 year plan where, you know, it was a pie in the sky dream of the the village eventually being able to buy more waterfront property and slowly evolve into something new. But then the highway department, the, the, the DOT came through and said, we're going to redo highway 42. And then Al Johnson's came through, came up and said, well, we we'd be interested in selling a property on the shore. And Casperson's wanted to sell a property on the shore. And this plan that was really looked at as a 20 to 30 year vision became more of a five-year mad dash of making really big decisions. So sometimes things work in your favor to, to accelerate things, and sometimes they don't, and it's just kind of happenstance. In this case, you're not talking about a municipal project, but it's still, that's a massive property. I mean, <laughs> doing one of these things with one of these barns or one of these gardens is a, is a big deal. So I guess what's, what's kind of first on your priority list? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff built into it. And, and maybe what you want to go through is kind of some of the ideas that are, are built into this master plan. Yeah, no. And it, you know, just speaking to what you just said, the, as the master plan was laid out, um, you know, they, this organization shouldn't have been looking for its uh, first staff member, at least, you know, at least two or three years down the road. Hmm. Um, and here I am into this thing. So, yeah. And, and again, can you over plan? You know, I don't think so. I think you can have great plans. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to stick to them, but, but let's, let's over plan and let's make sure we do things right. And to, to answer your question, the, our number one goal this year is to get folks there, get people to the farm, get the visitors, get the residents, get the locals, get the, the, the overarching, uh, the theme that came through in this master plan when we got this community feedback is accessibility. People want to be able to get onto this property and learn about it. And they want to see it and they want to feel it and they want to, you know, learn the history and, and see what we're going to do into the future. So that's our goal. That's what we want to accomplish. And, and how we're going to go about doing that, um, you know, being literally year one, uh, we're not going to have too many uh, audacious goals, but um, what we want to do is, is run some tours, you know, get kind of a weekly schedule, get some tours so folks can, can know that they can build that into their schedule to, to tour this place. Mm -hmm. Um, we want to get this garden to whatever degree, uh, it's been, it's been going for a couple of years. There's a good sized garden in there. Um, we're looking to expand that, maybe get into some, some indoor growing and some things so we can have some amazing produce ready, uh, ready early on and, and get that component. So, cause there will be gardens in this organization, regardless of what happens, um, farming and, and whatever degree gardening to whatever degree will be a part of it. So we want to, we want to expand on that a little bit this year. Along with some ones with flowers and some different things, and then you know get some get a get a little farm stand going, get something that people can can come visit this organization, come get the history, get the get a tour, see what these barns are like, and then take something home. And we want them to be able to do that, whether it's a bag, a, 
a bunch of carrots, you know, onion, whatever it is to, to be able to bring that that experience home to them, uh, hopefully make it around to dinner table and, and, and continue that conversation from home. Yeah, I, that's a, a great point of just trying to get people on the property because you drive by it and you you don't know, hey, can I walk around here? Is, is this trespassing? So having some sort of formal way for people to, to get on the property and experience it and walk through those barns and things like that. And then, you know, there's some other things in the work here that are pretty exciting about it. Um, not necessarily the purview of Horseshoe Bay Farms in the organization, but the Village of Egg Harbor is looking at, you know, a long-term plan to connect itself to Horseshoe Bay Farms and, and Murphy Park and the beach over there, which would be a, an off-road bike path that would go from the Village of Egg Harbor, connect to the Egg Harbor Public Beach, and then connect all the way down to Horseshoe Bay Farms and and uh, Murphy Park, which would be a, a, a really great way to, you know, that that's one of those kind of fortunate timing things is like the village is looking at that and you guys are looking at this thing with Horseshoe Bay Farms at the same time. That presents a pretty exciting opportunity. Yeah, and the this, this trail, this, this kind of beach to beach trail and, and connecting the town and connecting all that different aspects of Egg Harbor uh, literally goes through our backyard and, and to be incorporated into that and, and be able to, to draw people, not just from uh, Horseshoe Bay Road, but really from a, from a bike path, from a walking path, whatever, you know, however this evolves to get folks to, to literally drive and, and ride and walk right through our, right through our backyard and, and be able to welcome them in that sense is a tremendous opportunity and that that plan is impressive and it's a it's a bit of a daunting task but i think the the, the community the visitors will bear the fruit of, of a of a bike trail like this connecting these two areas yeah i'm excited for that because um you know that could be a launching pad for the community to rethink what's possible in terms of pedestrian access and, and bike paths and get other communities thinking of ways to do similar stuff. And, you know, it'd be a long-term plan, but maybe over the course of 20, 25, 30 years, we start to connect some of our communities that way, the way they've done it in the Traverse City area. Um, yep. But that takes us off co- t- topic and off your property um, <laughs> and into another uh, pet project of mine. But, you know, <laughs> looking at this this master plan, I mean, you have so many buildings. Um there's a lot of components to this, and I don't even know where you want to start in terms of like what might be in the offing here. But I know there's there's some housing components to it. Um, they they have saved a couple of cottages that have been moved onto this property. Um, there's there's potential kind of event space. There's educational opportunities. There's just uh, cool things that might be done with barns and greenhouses. So um, you tell me what's what's the first place to start, and what's kind of the most realistic short term thing that people might see down there yeah i think the well you mentioned this you know uh, uh, not to be uh undermined at all but this amazing feat of moving these two original cottages uh back across the road uh to the horseshoe bay farms property um was an amazing feat in itself and that was a couple years ago as well so there are two two historic original cottages um that are there you know what we do with them uh are they rentals are they education spaces we would like to make sure that they they support our mission that they're a part of everything that we do. So the, literally the, the options are, are endless there. I think the most realistic um, component in terms of feasibility, uh, meaning donations and funds coming into this organization, is to really get this, the gardens, uh, whether it's the greenhouses or gardens or whatever, to whatever extent, get that get that established in terms of what we want to do. And I think that that brings us right to our roots of what we are, uh, literally and figuratively, uh, but right to what we, what we are from the, from the get go and, and establish that, you know, these, if you start looking at these barns and you start getting into 
uh, historic structures reports and start looking at renovations or, you know, authentic renovations or do you, do you change it? These things are, are laid out in the master plan, but the, the price tags um, start uh, getting pretty big right out of the gate. So uh, we're exploring grants. We're talking with other folks in the state that, um, that do these historic components uh, because we want to make sure that, that, again, that we do it right. But I think what you're going to see is, is these, these barns evolve. We're going to see these gardens grow. We're going to see the opportunity for people to access this place uh, evolve over the years. Because if it's not accessible, if people can't get to it, if people don't know about it, uh, what's the point in, in changing a bunch of stuff? So um, we want to we want to make sure that it's user friendly. You're going to see some events there. You know, maybe folks have seen a wedding there in the past. I don't know if we're going to get into a whole lot of wedding space, but there's no reason why people can't have a, a, an event there in some capacity. Educational sessions, like you said, um, working with other local nonprofits, especially with youth and, and adults in terms of education, there's literally the, the options are endless. What is the um, quality or the, the stability of the, the barns and structures there? Uh, well, it, it's uh, you talked about Glenn Timmerman, and, and I know that he uh, he made some investments in this place to make sure that it was that it was structurally sound, as did the folks I believe the uh, the previous owners from him. Uh, group of people really over the last couple of years in 2018 uh, re-roofed every building and, and painted and and uh, to whatever degree rehabilitated uh, every single building on that property. Um, a tremendous commitment and, and dedication to making sure that these these structures stand. You know, as of as of a report, probably 15 years ago, maybe 10 years ago, uh, they're actually really good. You know, the, the engineers came in and, and they went through a structural assessment of every building. They're, they're really good. They're in really hmm. good shape. Um, you know, are we going to have a, a 200 person concert in the in the main barn in June? No, uh, we've got a little bit more work to do with that. But um, but they're we're not starting from ground zero. We're pretty excited about what these can be and, and getting people getting people inside uh, comfortably and, and making sure that everybody's safe. But they're they're unique buildings, but they're in, in very good condition. What's um? How do you do all this? What's the fundraising and and financial st- sustainability outlook for doing everything that that is in this plan or or that is in the vision? Um, what are some of the ways that that you finance this? Yeah, well, as a not for profit, we're always looking for donations, and that's <laughs> that's really you know. And and I've never come into an organization that that had very few donors. I, I've always kind of come into established YMCA's and all these, you know, the ridges and all these other different places that had well-established donor bases. So we're starting at zero um, uh, or, or one or two. Uh, and to, to get folks, that's what our strategy is. Let's get folks on this property um, and really see who comes out and, and wants to be a part of this. We need support. We need donations to be able to move this forward. Uh, you know, I don't care how many hikes you do, you're not going to be able to, <laughs> although important, um, you know, when you start talking about millions of dollars to to grow this place and evolve it and to really meet those community needs and be a part of this, a part of this entire Door County historical component, uh, it takes a lot of money. So that, you know, that's you ask the question, what are we going to start with? Well, we'll unless unless we get a windfall of donations, we're not going to start renovating buildings in the next two years. We need to get folks on the property, get get that history told, get people to, to come out here. And then gain their interest and really see what uh, what they can do. But it's going to come down to going to come down to some grants. It's going to come down to some federal support, maybe some state support. But really, all of that needs to be backed by by private donations and, and folks coming out and, and showing their support financially for this organization. When can people start? When when do you anticipate like having some opportunities for people to come onto the property? Is this a um, by appointment only sort of thing right now? I'm guessing you probably don't have any 
super large events planned yet as as you probably like everybody else are waiting to see <laughs> when things will calm down with the pandemic and, and feel safe about doing so but what yeah. kind of opportunities are there for people to come out do they just give you a call and, and say drew it's it's 10 p.m bring me out to the property hey if you want to go on a on a private tour give me a you can give me a call or shoot me an email uh drew at horseshoebayfarms.org shoot me an email we'll go out and hike the property um in terms of a more formal setup you know we're looking for volunteers we've got a couple uh, folks that I'm talking to and, and people that have been excited to be a part of this place and, and getting that organized a little bit more. We do need volunteer help. So if anybody's interested in that, let me know. Uh, but we want to get things set up in a in a formal sense, if you will, in a structured sense, uh, probably Memorial Day weekend. Okay. And we'll, uh, you know, really, really start to target that. And then ideally, I'd love to have something set up weekly uh, throughout the summer. So that, again, that people can plan around it. And it's not just a, it's not just a hit or miss, but they can really plan on it we'll be there. Folks can show up and we'll, we'll start doing some tours. And, you know, like you said, we, we are still very much in the middle of a pandemic and, and managing all of that. And no, we're not going to have, you know, parties and, and events of 200 plus people, but what can we do safely and, and continue to, to monitor that? And, and that's what we have plans for. Um, where can people go to learn more and, and then can they view this master plan somewhere? And if you want to get excited about a, a cool idea, I would really recommend viewing this master plan. Um, where would they find that? Uh, simply at, at horseshoebayfarms.org uh, on our website. And um, I think it's right on the homepage. If you just scroll down a little bit, you can see some uh, master plans and, and click right on it and you can look through it. Uh, we do have some, some publications. If folks are interested in a physical publication, I'm happy to get one to you uh, that, that we can hand out. But otherwise, you can look through the both copies of this and, and really see it. And, and we'll continue to get the story out. And we want to make sure that people can look at this and see this and, and get as excited about it as we are. Um, and then again, if, if folks uh, choose to support it, uh, we need their support. So that's, uh, that's really what it boils down to and, and making sure that we can continue to grow this organization. Um. And then also for our listeners, we will, if you go to our website on, if you're just listening to this from an app right now and you want to learn more, if you go to our website and go to podcast, it's right at the top of the, the page and you find this episode, which would be uh, the most recent one as you're listening to this, um, we'll be sure to include some links to previous stories. We actually did a, an interview and video about the old cherry camp that used to exist at Horseshoe Bay Farms. You'll find that. You'll uh, find a couple of different articles um, probably like 10 years ago, I think I wrote a, a fairly in-depth one about the history of Horseshoe Bay Farms and some of the people who were connected to it. And, you know, just I, I think it's it's so cool that this has been saved um, and that it's going to be something that is saved not just for a private entity but for people to experience and learn from. As somebody who grew up in Egg Harbor and uh, has always loved those barns and, and the history there, it's just a really cool project, and I, I, I hope you, you can see some quick success and, and see some donors come in for this. Yeah, no, we're, we're excited. And, and I'm, I'm a hundred percent confident that this is once we get folks opened up to this, and once we get people on this property, uh, this thing's going to take off and, and, and I'm always up for a challenge, but I think that once we can formalize some things and get people on there and share our story and, and share the history, uh, the, the sky's the limit with this one. Well, Drew, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing some of that story right now um, with us for all of our listeners this week. You got it, Miles. My absolutely my pleasure. And, and uh, again, if folks uh, want to get a hold of me, please do. <laughs> We're waiting for people to come out of the woodwork and, and let's do it. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.